This podcast is brought to you by Spotlight Branding. Whether your firm only gets a few referrals or it's 100% of your business, you have the opportunity to double your referrals through educational, informative content. The pros at Spotlight Branding can help you create that content through blogging, videos, email newsletters, and more, all designed to help you increase your referrals and attract the kinds of clients you want to work with. Visit spotlightbranding.com slash pod to learn more. That's spotlightbranding.com slash P-O-D. This is Center Stage, putting your firm in the spotlight by highlighting business owners and other industry experts to help take your firm to the next level. Hey everyone, and welcome to Center Stage. I'm your host, John Henson, and this week, uh, talking about something that I we haven't really covered on this show yet in the two and a half or so years that we've been doing it, which I can't believe because it's uh, it's a big concern, I know, for all firm owners, and that is your cybersecurity, not just your security in general, but definitely your cybersecurity. Uh, you know, and one thing I've noticed a lot, especially, you know, in conversations that I've observed and that I've had with a lot of people, there's just this big lack of understanding around what firms should be doing with their cybersecurity, what's actually safe or what's safer than you think it is, uh, and, and all of that. And so to cover that today, we are joined by Juan Carlos Bosacoma from CIO Landing. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for, for having me here. Absolutely. So before we jump in, uh, you know, Give us the quick intro, you know, who you are, what is CIO Landing, and, and what do you do for people? Yes, yes. So um, we are the outsource IT department for small and mid-sized firms. We help uh, companies, whether they have an IT department or not. If they don't, we take care of every aspect that's uh, related to IT, including, including cybersecurity. And if if they do have an IT resource we supplement with uh, resources that they may not have available. Got it. So awesome. So, you know, just in your experience and, and what you've seen out there with the firms that you help, who or what is generally the biggest threat to a firm's security? So there's, there are a number of um, who's and what, uh, affect uh, or are a threat to a firm security. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest one is really employees. And mm-hmm. by that, I mean, is that uh, the and people that work for a company have access to information. And if you don't have some, some sort of rules around how that information is, is guarded, then they become the subject of, yeah. of, of the threat. Um, but in general, it's, it's really, you know, hackers that understand that, that situation, uh, they're looking for sensitive information that they can take and, and sell it or, or ask money for it. Um, and along with that is those folks getting in there through ransomware attacks and um, other ways of coming in, of course, to get that information are through phishing attacks, meaning emails that pretend to do uh, or 
say there's something they are not. Um, also through seemingly third-party vendors. And, yeah. and of course, um, fraudulent websites and um, yeah. in places where they take you pretending to be something they're, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there's so many different, you know, directions that, that we can go just off of that. Um, one thing just to kind of build off uh, website security. Um, I, you know, I just want to get your thoughts on this in terms of, um, you know, I, I hear a lot of people, we do, we design websites for people and a lot of them, you know, not a lot. I, I would say we've had a couple of people kind of balk at, you know, us taking care of the hosting, we retain a, you know, a very high end, you know, host high end security and all of that, but it comes at a price point. And a lot of people say, well, I can just have my website hosted at GoDaddy for $10 a month and be done with it. What are your thoughts on that? Like, is it reasonable to do that? Or is, you know, what kind of risk do they assume in going with someone like a GoDaddy for web hosting? So, um, So, I mean, that the general answer would be, yes, that would be okay, provided mm-hmm. that you have oversight, provided you are on top of updating the platform that is getting hosted, provided that someone is looking to make sure that someone is not trying to get in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, the reality today is that it, it that type of cost is not the total cost of ownership. And that's the piece that um, people don't look at. I mean, let's say it's not not any different than saying, well, I can read a contract and uh, yes, I can read English. And then of course you start reading and say, well, I'm not sure what this means, but okay. You know, and uh, then someone takes me to court because I didn't really understand what that indemnification clause meant and and so it's there's an equivalent situation with websites and yeah i I mean if you're interested i I do have a story of something that happened uh to uh a a group that i'm part of it's it's an um an investment club and we have a website and uh one of the things i had mentioned was that look we need to um spend money to protect Mm -hmm. it and it's like well now you know let's just spend our 50 dollars a year and we'll be fine yeah well um what happened is it got hacked uh and the website was in godaddy yeah um and of course godaddy is just it's it's like you know here's the ground floor now you put your building and, you know, and if you build it with um, just uh, uh, matches and you put it anyway, this is going to collapse, right? But right. I'm giving you the floor. Yeah. And, and that's what happened. It got hacked and you would go in there and of course, all these things would show up and someone took over. And so we had to do, you know, wipe it out and then put the security in place. And so it, it's very real. Um, yeah. And you're really not saving money 
uh, you're, you're actually adding cost if you don't do things right, like anything else right. that, that, that we do in life. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all about that risk mitigation. And, and so, yeah, I mean, cause I I've seen it happen too, you know, um, you know, cause you know, GoDaddy doesn't, you know, cover the cost of, of getting rid of the, the hacked website or cleaning everything up like that still falls on you. And, oh yeah. And so, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. a lot of things there. So another thing that you talked about was email, whether it's, you know, these crazy phishing emails, you know, or I don't like one that I get a lot is somehow they will have the name of someone in our office. You know, maybe they'll take the owner's name and they'll send an email and they'll make it kind of look like it was from them. And it'll say something like, Hey, I've got some things to ask you about. Please respond or whatever. And it's not them. Right. And so I don't know how that works. But what are, you know, what are some of the things that people need to watch out for and protect themselves against with their email? Sure. Um, you know, at the most basic level, the piece that you need to be aware of is the domain where that website, uh, that that email is coming from. And one of the, the traditional ways of impersonating is by making a web a domain and um, look like yours or someone that you um, trade information with. Yeah. And the typical things are to replace the letter O with a zero or the letter L with the number one um, when at first glance it looks the same. And, or maybe add a dot, you know, X, Y, Z at the end. So it could be abc.com.abc. Yeah. And then most people will look at it. Oh, well, I, I can, it's, it's, it's a dot com. I, I'm, yeah. I trade emails with them. Yeah. And uh, so th- that, that's at the most uh, basic level. And then, and then the, the next piece is um, that gets a little bit more sophisticated is when they get the attacker gets in the middle. Uh, so they get in the middle between sender and recipient and they interject and they in, inject themselves in the communication. Yeah. Um, I mean, for those that want to have a fancy word is they call man in the middle attack, uh, just yeah. like it sounds. Um, yeah. And uh, so they'll they'll get in there and then start collecting information and eventually add a request. Uh, and now there are tools that help you uh, catch those sort of situations. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are some of those tools? Because I know a lot of I think most law firms probably use Outlook three sixty five. Um, you know, some may use G Suite. Uh, you know, what what are some of the things that they can implement? Uh, that that can protect them from stuff like that. Right. So um, within the um, Office 365 uh, realm, um, Microsoft offers um, some of the advanced protection um, that you can get for email filtering. You can get other third parties um, that that filter spam and filter viruses and the like. And then another layer is one that it identifies um, impersonators. 
So what will happen is when an email comes in, it will recognize that that domain is one that looks like the one you've used and it will alert you. They say this this domain looks like one that you've you've used. Yeah. Or and will say this is someone that you have not traded information with in in, in the past. Uh, so it, it brings your level of awareness. It doesn't mean that you can't send emails or correspond with someone you haven't corresponded with, but it brings your um, awareness level up so that you don't fall prey to that sort of situation. So you've yeah. got those different layers. And, uh, and it's not just on the incoming side, but on the outgoing side as well. Because right. what can happen is someone uh, can, uh, can take, control of your account and then try to reach someone as you and create damage in that fashion. Yeah. And, and one thing that I just thought of, and I know I'm kind of going back to the beginning here, but I I think it's, I want to get your opinion on how something like this could even happen in the first place. Like how does someone get hacked? You know, like in terms of like, is it, is it, one of those things where, you know, hackers and, and malicious sort of viruses and all that are constantly just looking for vulnerabilities, you know, where, or is it just like, you just had bad luck and it was just, you just got chosen one day is just completely random that your website or your email ended up getting hacked. Like how does something like that happen? How does a breach even occur in the first place? Sure. So, so the, there are many, uh, many angles uh, that an, an attack can happen. Uh, yeah. One scenario is that a, um, someone goes to a website that's infected. It downloads some malicious code. Mm-hmm. And that malicious code starts looking at what's in your computer. And yeah. one of the places that we'll look at, aside from files, will start looking at your emails. So it starts looking at your emails and it finds out who you trade emails with. So now it grabs that, that whole list of emails and it exports it. And yeah. then the attacker says, oh, you know, um, you know, I have uh, Joe and Mary and whoever, yeah. and I know they've been corresponding with this person and then say, okay, let me, let me just start throwing little darts and see what kind of information I get. Um, so they start um, planting seeds. Um, so they start seeding the ground and, uh, and a lot of the process of doing that is automated, you know, so it's not someone necessarily yeah. saying, Oh, I'm going to get such and such person right now is that, there are automated tools that uh, have a strategy on how they're going to do their farming. Yeah. And so they start collecting information and they have, I mean, they've written uh, applications that start saying, you know, I'm going to look for this sort of uh, correspondence and then I'm going to start sending these emails. And that's why oftentimes when you look at email filters, you will see um the same thing that maybe it's happened a few times because it's all automated. Right. So, so it gets in the middle of that way and then they'll try to get you to, to click. So 
idea is, you know, got broad, get broad and then start collecting information and then start issuing those, those attacks. Let me take you to a certain place. Um, some of the, some of the typical things that, and I'm sure you've seen this, yeah. you'll get an email from say PNC bank. It'll say, Oh, you know, you, you, you got to change your password. Yep. Uh, or why, why, don't forget to come to your, uh, to the portal and look your account. And then they take you to a portal that looks just like the site, yeah. except when you look at the URL, that the web address, yeah. it is just slightly different. Maybe yep. instead of PNC, it'll say PNNC. Yep. Uh, but at first glance, you don't catch it. Now, yep. mind you, there are tools that will prevent that from taking place uh, that will grab that. Um, yeah. so, so generally that's sort of the approach that's taken. Yeah. And it's, it's just funny because like, you know, I think, you know, obviously most of our audience is lawyers. Lawyers are known for being very analytical, uh, pretty detail oriented people. And yet I still see stuff like this come through all the time. And, and, you know, cause it's just, it's, it's just so easy to let your guard down and, and just kind of assume that, that everything is, is on the up and up. Um, so other than email, you know, we, there, there's still a lot of client data, very, you know, uh, sensitive, confidential data that firms are in possession of, um, you know, kind of the direction that things are going right now, everything's moving to the cloud. Uh, I yeah. think, you know, a lot of firms, a lot of law firms are still hesitant to do that. Just traditionally, they're just slow to adopt things, you know, like new tech like that, but that is where everything is headed. And there are, I, I know that a lot of, you know, lawyers have concerns about the security of cloud storage and, and how vulnerable is it or how safe is it? Um, you know, even you know, whether it's in their CRM or wherever they're storing, you know, you know, sensitive data, what are just some best practices that firm owners should be aware of and implementing to make sure that their client data is secure? Sure. Yes. So, um, so it, it always boils down to some of the basics. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of them is um, the passwords that you use, and that is to use unique passwords. And not only do they need to be unique, but they, they should be fairly complex, you know, like uh, not just have, uh, you know, uh, my wife's name and birth date. Right. Um, and so that's one piece. Another piece is for those passwords not to be stored in an Excel file, which I do. I see it all the time. Uh, I say, well, let, let me share my passwords with you. And there's an Excel file and all the passwords show up there. Yeah. Um, so it's to use um, a, a password management tool that saves that, it, that, that information. Um, the other piece is... Um, to use the two-factor authentication, which many banks, uh, for example, today enforce, yeah. which they'll send you an, uh, a code, a text to your phone. Now, preferably, yeah. um, you, you're better off using what's called an authenticator app. Um, so it's an app that matches with your bank or whatever institution or application you're using, and it generates a code when you log in. 
Uh, and if you're wondering, well, but isn't this the same as just getting a text on my phone? In, in some ways it is, but it isn't. The difference is that uh, for, for that app to authenticate, generally you have to put a password for it to, to come up or you got to use um, face recognition. And so if that phone were to fall on, on someone's hand, uh, unless that authentication is there, they would not be able to generate that code. Whereas a text, um, you know, you, you, you're going to be able to see in the clear. Yeah. So, um, so those, those are um, um, methods are the ones that would really grab the majority of the issues, um, which is, you know, uh, saving them in a, in a place that can't be read and then not just have stickies around the office, you know, or under, underneath the keyboard that oftentimes you find or in, right. in a drawer. Yeah. Um, so so th those are generally would be uh, the mechanisms that, that you should use. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and it's crazy to think that, you know, like I know for a long time uh, there was an app called LastPass. I think they've either ceased existence or they got sold or something. I don't know that they're around anymore, but I know we used that for a while. That was a really great thing uh, to make sure that, you know, data was stored. Cause I mean, you know, to your point, like we, we have our own passwords, but then we also had all of our clients passwords and stuff on there. And so that, that was, you know, a, a bigger risk for us because, you know, we had our own data to make sure we took care of, but then also all of these websites and social profiles and all of that for all of our clients. And so, yeah, that, that, that sort of thing right there is, is really, really important. So the last thing I want to ask you about, um, it was one of the first things you mentioned um, up at the top, talking about how employees are often one of the biggest threats to a firm's security, whether it's on purpose or completely inadvertent, just out of complete ignorance of, of what they should be doing. So what do you recommend that firm owners do to make sure that their employees are always kind of following the best practices, always really aware of security and, and making sure that things are going smoothly? Sure. Um, it, it really comes down to training. And um, there are services that you can, uh, you can hire that help you um, understand what are best practices in terms of how you store data, uh, what, what you should uh, be looking for when some information comes across, or how to um, make sure that you're not installing just any application in your system that you have the right type of um, antivirus or uh, what kind of um, architecture uh, you should have in, at your firm so that um, you protect the innocent because uh, right. uh, oftentimes it's just ignorance. So yeah. um, signing up for those trainings that happen continuously and you get tested um, and then put uh, procedures and processes in place so that um, privilege or access privilege is given um, minimally, meaning yeah. you only get access to those things that you need to have access. And if you need more, then you give more. So you start with the um, the, the most basic and then gradually you start adding it so that you you get protection. So you assume, you know, the worst case, and then by doing that, 
you get protection in case something were to happen. Yeah. So uh, the biggest takeaway I think from this is that you know even though maybe the cloud or you know the how you know the viruses get into the system and starts writing all the code and taking all the data maybe all of that seems really complicated and way above any of our pay grades the the solutions and the ways to keep yourself safe are pretty simple and and it's not really involved really really complicated you know just make sure that you have tools in place that that are that are keeping you safe and and I know you know your your group does a lot to help people out and and can make sure that people are staying safe so let people know um, how they can get in touch with you and learn more uh, about CIO landing yes um, so um, the the easiest way is um, you can come to our website uh, which is um, ciolanding.com and uh, or um, you can send uh, send me an email, uh, jc at CIO Landing, um, or you can give us a call at uh, 847-868-9253. And um, we'll be happy to um, talk about your situation. And, and if, if it's not something we can do, we certainly are gonna po- point you in the right direction. Um, so um, those would be the ways for uh, to, to reach us. Yeah, absolutely. And just as a little addition, uh, I was actually talking to your team behind the scenes. Um, they also would love it if you guys went to ciolanding.com slash CSA. Uh, you guys can get a, a cybersecurity assessment to your firm, totally free, totally confidential. Uh, and so you can go to ciolanding.com slash CSA. And I'll have that in the show notes for you all. Highly recommend just, you know, get the security assessment at the very least, get the peace of mind that you are doing everything correctly. Um, worst case scenario, you can uncover some opportunities that can help you really, you know, shore up your firm's uh, security. But other than that, I think that's going to do it for us here this week. Uh, a lot of good information as always. Um, finally glad we got to this topic. I'm really glad I was able to uh, meet, you know, Juan Carlos and your team at ABA Tech Show earlier this year. That's how we got connected. Uh, so really enjoyed that. But um, as for all of you out there, uh, please leave a rating and review wherever you're consuming the show. But that's going to do it. Juan Carlos, thank you so much for joining us this week. John, thank you so much. That's pleasure. Thanks for listening. To learn more, go to spotlightbranding.com slash center stage.